TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. On a rainy, dreary day of what should be a rainy weekend here in Chicago, there's not going to be any baseball played this weekend here in Chicago. Of course, the rain is not the main reason why that is the case. It's inside the clubhouse because baseball conversation continues all summer long here on The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel, and he is Bruce Levine. And Bruce, our next guest, joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Jim Leland uh, needs no introduction, one of the great managers in the game, one of the great people in the game, still working with MLB and doing some work for his club, also joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Jimmy. How are you today? Bruce, how are you? Yeah, we're doing great. Um, so how many uh, retro games have you watched on, uh, <laughs> on MLB and the other networks? How much, how much can, uh, capacity do you have for watching old games? I, I've watched a few of them, but I, I don't pay that much attention to it right now. It's kind of a lull in the action, obviously. And, yeah, just waiting to see what happens with this whole thing. But, of course, I think, you know, the most important thing is we got to get people healthy and safe. So, uh, you know, still involved in it, obviously, but uh, really haven't paid that much attention to it. When you look at uh, what the plans are out there, and, you know, these different plans are models. We all know these are not uh, etched in stone. But when, when you see these different plans that have leaked out there, do you think that's, that's good for baseball fans to hear? That's good for baseball people to hear these uh, plans, even though they're not finalized? And if you talk to other people, some of them tell you, hey, uh, we're, we're just teasing people at this point because we're not ready. Well, I think that it's a delicate situation, to be honest with you, because you've got you to make sure you don't want to offend the people out there. People are losing loved ones and everything else. So I think it's a really delicate time for baseball. I do think it's a good idea to have some options and, and maybe to put some of them out there, but not all of them. I think you gotta, I think you almost got to have one or two plans in place that if this happens, this is what we're going to do, and if this happens, this is what we're going to do. I do think you have to be prepared, but I think it's probably better off not to talk about it that much right now because, you know, I think it offends some people, to be honest with you, that are, that are having a rough time with, like I say, lost loved ones and things of that nature. So I think you got to be careful with that. But I do think you have to have a plan in place in case this opens up and they say, hey, we're ready to go. You have to be ready to go. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jim, that, that, that these plans need to be in place. It's good that they're talking. And then it's guys like us who are looking for content, who are desperately digging up any little news bits uh, that we can find. Um, from what you've heard, 
it sounds like the owners and the players are are working well together. Um, it, 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 from what you've heard, uh, would you agree with that? That it seems like their conversations are going pretty well in terms of just trying to be prepared and and be ready to go if they're able to do something. Yeah, I, I think so, but I, I'm really not privy to a lot of that information. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that none of us really know about, just the people that are participating. So I do think that's a, a big fact, and I do think that. I think we all understand, in my at least in my opinion, that at some point, some people are going to have to make some sacrifices, and how that works, I think both sides are going to be we have to willing to be to make those sacrifices, and I think if they're willing to do that, I think it could possibly turn out great. Jim, you're you're probably the perfect guy to talk about uh, a shortened season and getting the most out of players, since you were uh, the manager or head coach of. The USA team that won the World Baseball Classic, and you had to get a group together that had never played before together and uh, get them into some championship caliber mentality and being able to play together as a group in a shortened period of time. Uh, how difficult do you think that will be? What were some of the things that the dynamics that you had to look at when you managed those teams, and what might ba- baseball be if it's an 80 to 100 game season? Well, I don't think that's going to be as difficult because you are going to be dealing with your own players. So that's a little bit different, obviously, than the WBC because you are going to be dealing with players that you've had in the past. Uh, I think that you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to make some adjustments. You're going to have to figure out the pitching. I think that's the big, big thing. I mean, how long does it possibly take uh, pitchers to get ready? I know during the strike season when they were talking about replacement players, uh, I think we piggyback for a while. So I think you got to make sure, you know, the position players is a no-brainer. They'll be ready. But I think it's real, real tedious what you do with your pitching staff. I think that's really important. How, how did it work in that World Baseball Classic in terms of uh, the, the competition? Because as Bruce is saying, that might be what we end up seeing is some kind of shortened season, some kind of shortened format. Do you feel like you guys were the best team? Like that was a fair representation of figuring out who the best team was in that process, Jim? Well, you know, it, it is a short period of time. I don't know for sure. You can say who's, who's definitely the best, but we played the best when we had to. And certainly we were second to nobody. I don't mean that. I, we were as good as anybody. Were we better than everybody? I mean, Dominica was great. Puerto Rico was great. Venezuela, who did not do well, had a great team. So, you know, were we better than everybody? I don't really know the answer to that. We just played better than anybody at the right time, and we got everybody on the same page, and everybody was trying to achieve that same goal. I, I couldn't believe how revved up these guys were, and they were really proud of that USA across their chest. And I think they wanted to prove something, you know, to, to, to some of the other countries that have great representation and great players at the big league level. So, uh, you know, that, that was a little bit of a different scenario, but it was a wonderful, wonderful scenario. How would you, as a baseball fan and a baseball lifer, Jim, feel about a season that was 50 games or 40 games um, just to enable a postseason and have some kind of World Series and some kind of year? Would you be would you be okay with that if that's what it came down to? Yeah, I, I would be. I think you just have to do the best you can. I think that people, that people do want to see baseball. I don't think there's any question about that. I don't know if that would be a true test of who the really world champion is, but I think you know, right now, I mean, to be honest with you, I think we're all desperate. I mean, to be honest with you, I think, it, you know, we're in a desperate situation if we want to get baseball in at all. So, you know, I would be for anything. I, I, I don't know. I think they'll come to a point where they say, hey, we got to be able to play a certain amount of games or we're not going to play. I don't know if 50 is the number or what the number is necessarily because, like I said, I'm not privy to that information. 
But I think at some point they're going to say, okay, this, we have to play this number of games for this to be worthwhile for everybody, including our fans and, and you know, and, and the organizations and everybody else. So I think you'd have to come up with a number. Like I said, I, I, I don't know that 50 would be the number, but, uh, you know, I think they'll come up with something that makes sense. And if it doesn't, I don't think they will play. So we're looking at an unprecedented second spring training for baseball if they get started. And the commissioner is on record already saying that it's going to have to be a month uh, for preparation to get people together. The stop and the start again, Jim, for uh, for pitchers in particular, because you already mentioned position players could probably get ready pretty quickly, maybe two or three weeks is my guess. But the stop and the start again and when to start um, you know, getting back up uh, on the hill in series before you you go to spring training, that seems to be the, the difficult part to to figure out here uh, for a second spring training for these guys. I don't think there's any question about that, and I think what you got to do is you're hoping that everybody has uh, some kind of place, you know, in private, or some place where they are throwing to keep their arm in shape. I would assume a lot of people are doing that. Maybe some of them aren't, but you're right. I think that's the thing. But I think you can. Normally, you want to make sure those pitches are healthy. You don't want to take a chance of rushing anybody or hurting anybody. I do think, though, like I said before, you can piggyback, maybe use two starters in a game to start with, just until you get underway a little bit. So I don't think it's as as big a deal as people might want to make it. But I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the commissioner has done a great job. He's emphasizing, hey, we're listening to the, the science, the people of science and those kind of people. And we're not going to do anything foolish. And I think that would be the same way with getting your pitches back ready. We're not going to do anything foolish. But I think you can get them better, uh, quicker a little bit than, more than most people think. I think most people think it's a month for sure that's possible. I think it's possible that if, you wanna, if you're willing to piggyback and do things of that nature, then I think you could possibly get them ready a little bit quicker. All right, Jim, you've got one at bat, and you need to get a hit. And you've got Miguel Cabrera and Barry Bonds on your, uh, on your bench. who You've managed both of them. Who are you sending up to the plate first? Well, if it's a lefty, I'll send Miggy. If it's a righty, I'll send Bond. <laughs> you know, he gave you, he gave you the right answer. There was no, there was, there was no hesitation there. We're, we're doing a lot of this stuff, Jim, right now as far as making lists of the greatest players, the greatest teams. You were privy to managing some pretty awesome players and seeing some of the greatest players in history while you coached and managed. Uh, if, if I had to pin you down to, the, to two, two things, one, uh, the, the, the best player that you ever managed, and okay. two, the greatest player you've ever seen, and you can go back to seven years old when you were watching baseball for the first time, who would those guys be? I think it'd be the same guy. I think Barry Bonds is the best player I've ever seen, and he's definitely the best player I ever managed. And I will say, the guy that's going into the Hall of Fame this year, Larry Walker, was the one, one or two five-tool players that I actually ever managed. Larry Walker's one of the few five-tool players in the history of the game. Deservedly so, he's going into the Hall of Fame this year. So, you know, he's he's a, he's a close. He's close in, in one of, in one of my all-time great players. But I think Barry Bonds is the best player that I ever saw play, and he's the best player I ever managed, without question. Jimmy, we uh, we appreciate your time very much. Uh, the best to you, Katie, and the kids. Hope everyone is safe and healthy. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to, next time we have you on, talk about the startup of baseball, uh, which we're all missing very desperately right now. That would be great, Bruce. And you call me anytime you want. Great talking right. with you. Thanks. Jim Leland joins us uh, talking on Inside the Clubhouse. 
Uh, we are going to continue our conversation with uh, the super agent, Scott Boros, and his plan for baseball's return, Matt. That's, uh, that's going to be interesting because Scott is never short on ideas about how the game can get better, improve, and hopefully get on the field. Yeah, let's wrap our heads around functional isolationism, among other things, uh, with Scott Boris coming up next on Inside the Clubhouse. That was a great answer from Leland. I, I should have been more specific about who was pitching, but, uh, but then again, I wouldn't have let him hedge it perfectly uh, like that. Uh, we will uh, come back and continue on Inside the Clubhouse with Scott Boris next. Top of the hour, Hub Arkish and Mark Grody with a five-hour show recapping what the Bears have done so far, previewing and covering what they will do today as the NFL Draft continues. That's coming up right here on 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back in on 670 to score. This hour of which is being brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one 877 Cars for kids. If there is baseball this year and there are no fans, Bruce Levine, you think owners are likely to ask players to try and make less money, try and work with them on that kind of thing? I don't know how that would go, but that's among the things that uh, might have to be discussed. Well, right now they're only committed to paying players uh, through the end of May. So uh, that's the only commitment. You know, they came up with $170 million for the Players Association to divvy up between uh, the, the players uh, in the way that they thought was uh, right. And uh, that's their only commitment right now. With no revenues coming in for Major League Baseball after uh, June 1st, um, you know, it's, it's catch as catch can. We don't know uh, exactly what's going to happen. But maybe the next person we talk to will have a better idea than we do. He usually does. It's 670 to score inside the clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. And our next guest joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Scott Boris is the agent to the stars. That's the way he told me to represent him when he comes on. And he certainly is that and has been for the last 30 years, 35 years, the top agent in the game of baseball. And he's nice enough to join us on a Saturday morning here and inside the clubhouse. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Bruce, Matt, I hope you and your families and all your staff are, are all well. Hope things are doing good for you. Yeah, I, you, you know, it, it certainly is a time for reflection and a time uh, to e- evaluate ourselves and, and everything that goes along in life. And baseball, as important as it is to all of us out there as an outlet and a, as a profession for many of us, um, you know, you certainly go up and back on uh, the meaning when you see 
the devastation that's going on in the country here. But fr from your perspective, um, I know that um, your mind is always working. Uh, you're always working with your people. How have you kept in touch with your, uh, your players, first of all? And how have you uh, made sure that the, the maintenance on an individual basis is good enough for them? Because this is, this is really uncharted waters. Uh, they can't go to the normal places to train or to the Boris Corporation and train there like they do. Um, how, how, have, how have you uh, kept up with them and, and made sure that the maintenance, both physically and mentally, is there for them? Well, we have a sports fitness institute. We have psychologists. Uh, we have around 140 people in our company, and um, we essentially send out updates every week. Um, you know, we're in contact with each player about their physical conditioning, their routines. We record them. We communicate them to the teams. Um, so we try to create a collaborative bridge uh, so that we can really make sure that we know what our players are doing, how they're doing it, how they're feeling. Um, and also, you know, they're, they're very anxious about the updates. Um, myself, you know, I've been involved in, uh, I have a medical background in addition to my legal background. And so I've been in, kind of absorbed with a lot of experts, medical experts, epidemiologists, immunologists, virologists, serologists, um, and and really trying to understand um, this virus so that we can kind of um, associate that with baseball and and look at this to talk about to players that that you know how we're going to approach this going forward and the health and safeties of the players and what we should do and uh, what what are the probabilities and possibilities of the steps we can take to um, uh, preserve the eliteness of their skills, uh, their health, and also um, create what I think America needs is that kind of a unifying um, normalization, a trust that, uh, you know, what the game will bring when we come back and play. The presence of, uh, of baseball would do a lot for people's psyches in that way. It absolutely would. And you're talking to guys who love the game as much as you. Um, but to do it safely, obviously, is the focus. As we are all kind of amateur epidemiologists these days, um, <laughs> most of us don't have the medical background that you have and haven't thought about it to this extent. Let, let, let's get right to it, what your your idea is and what you've been trying to float out there tell people what functional isolationism is scott and um and how that will be a part of uh, of what you'd like to see happen for mld well i think in, in america right now we have a bit of a dilemma and that is that there are uh, there's a large contingent that are obviously you know they're focused on the public health issue and that, in effect, is the isolation um, of the population to uh, literally allow for, you know, to reduce the spread of the virus. And um, the, um, the other aspect is the social determinants um, of health. And that is uh, 
you know, economically having nutrition, working, being isolated uh, with domestic violence, uh, psychology, depression, um, all of the things that returning to work and functioning would bring. And to harmonize the two aspects of it is, is that you have a definite need to uh, adhere to the needs of the public health situation and also to We'll take a very close look at the social determinatives of health uh, so that we can return um, and create. We have 26 million people that are unemployed. And so in doing that, um, for baseball players, really America needs a model. They need a model to how do we return to work? How do we do it? How do we mitigate the um, the, the risk of the public health issue? Um, baseball players medically are rather unique because they have most of them have a five to 15 year history uh, that they are examined daily. That is unlike the normal person in the population that when you go to do a history on them, you're going to show up in the emergency room and you might have 15 minutes of history. And so you know all their underlying medical conditions, plus their at the age that we know that this virus has the lowest mortality rate. Uh, they're also in first-class physical condition. They don't have any underlying medical conditions, which we know uh, from this virus provides the lowest mortality rate. And then having them, when you go and look at America, um, which really made me think there's a, uh, a very well-known epidemiologist named Arthur Ringworld at uh, UC Berkeley, and he spoke of that states an examination of what they should do, that they should give increasing flexibility to locality, that you make appropriate decisions as opposed to everyone needs the same, exactly the same thing. And when you, when you look at that, you can simply see that I can tell you that six states account for 69% of the mortality of this virus, mm -hmm. 69%. And that would include six ballparks. That's New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Connecticut. On the other hand, <clears throat> I can give you nine states and 17 ballparks that only account for 10% of the mortality of this virus. So this is a very regionalized, very regionalized virus and the impact it has on our country. And we have to look at it that way, knowing that if we can take players who have the lowest mortality rate for their population and have them in states and perform in Florida and in um, Arizona, which when you look at their, uh, to give you an idea that New York State has 108 deaths per 100,000 people, New Jersey, 63, you know, um, Connecticut, 49 per 100,000, where we have, we have Arizona is 3.8 per 100,000, and Florida is, is 5 per 100,000. Dramatically different mortality rates in the spring training sites than the other states. So this creates a model that we know would have the least mortality rate, which is what this virus, 
what we're attempting to do from the public health issue is avoid mortality. And by allowing this group to return to function, I think it'll create a normalcy. It'll create a hope, a spirit. And remember, these players aren't being paid to do this. Uh, I know my clients, I've discussed it all with them. They're willing to take this risk. And I also think from a perspective of, of working conditions, most people can go back to work right away. Uh, baseball players have to have a condition, a precondition to working, and that is they have to get in condition and get in shape and, and also advance their skills before they can play. Scott, uh, let's, let's uh, advance it and say we get the go-ahead. There's some medical, uh, uh, there's medicine out there that can help with this virus, and baseball gets to go ahead for spring training. Of the models that you've seen out there, um, what is most realistic to you, or do you have your own model that you think would be more functional as we move forward and get the go-ahead? Well, I, I think the first thing, Bruce, is that we have to focus not on the schedule. We have to focus on getting players ready to play and certified. Because we've looked and arranged a, a testing model to get tests done every day. Because you have to bring in, in my ideas, you phase players in. You bring in pitchers and catchers, a small group. You, and again, they're agreeing to be isolated. This is the functional why they're going to function, but they're going to isolate. They're going to be in hotels. And I've, and I've asked players, would you be one? You're going to have to be away from your families for 30 days and be in the hotels, go to work, go back. And then 10 or so day later, bring in the next population of a, of a group of position players. Keep them separate from the group that you've already tested. You categorize in three categories of those who are negative, those who, who have the antibodies and, and, and have immunity, and those who test positive on arrival, and you isolate them for 14 days. And so you, you set up this, this basically herd of players that you know are now are certified. Then mayors, governors, supervisors, fans know that baseball has created a safe group of performers. And for me, Major League Baseball needs to be played in Major League ballparks. I know someone came up with an Arizona idea. You want, you want isolation. You want the, the vastness of Major League ballparks. And so what you do, I've given you 17, 17 ballparks in nine states that have very, very low mortality rates. You can use them. You know, you can use any variety of them to create a functional league. You could, you could set up a California league and have five ballparks with a very low mortality rate, we have our hospitals are not in any way burdened, and it's just a different world than it is in the Northeast. And you could have six teams at every ballpark, and I could give you a schedule. You could play, you know, 14, 15 games a week, and until the rest of the country clears up to the level of the states with the low mortality rate. But the key thing for me is right now, focus on getting the players ready, and then give Major League Baseball a chance to look at. <clears throat> treatments, medicine, take a look at it in a couple weeks, get further data, further intelligence uh, from the medical community, and then we can go and determine what the best possibilities for scheduling is. And, you know, when you look at Florida, Texas, Arizona, California, obviously the mortality rates are much, much different, much lower. It's a much riskier issue. 
and, and also as far as the people that can, we can eventually invite into games. We're going to have people in restaurants very soon. We're going to have people with a limited opening of a lot of states very soon. And so obviously, if they're sitting in restaurants, they could probably have a, a an isolated program where you could sit in a ballpark where you may not be able to get 40,000 in, but you might be able to get 10 and separate them. So you have all these dynamics that can unfold as we watch our uh, creating a new inception. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be, this model is not the norm. It's the new norm. Um, you know, we're going to have a new Amerishake. We're going to, put our hands over our heart and not our head. That'll be a way of greeting or uh, it's, it's no longer going to be the touching process. And so we're, we have a lot of new dynamics to go through, but when we look at this virus and look at the low mortality rates and what we can do safely, certainly I think MLB players can lead the way to give America a solution and, and data and a, and a method that maybe other employers can use as they bring their employees back and create kind of a functional isolation that allows us to address the public health issue and also the, the social determinants of health issue. We're talking to Scott Boris here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 to score, and you just gave us a lot of, uh, of the details as well as the broad strokes. And for anybody who's joined the conversation at different times, this plan is clearly very thought out, scientifically informed, You've talked to and dealt with epidemiologists in this, and it's and it's it's not just kind of pie in the sky. Boy, it'd be nice to have baseball. Where has this plan gotten to? From your hands to whose, Scott? Does Tony Clark have this? Um, the head of the players' union. Do you go to Rob Manfred or MLB owners with this? Where where is this plan in terms of getting it into the conversation and into the negotiations between the uh, the other powers in baseball? Well, uh, ball players, much like astronauts, when you're stepping into a, a what they call in medicine a, a vertical risk, um, you you need to go to the players first. And and certainly, uh, I wanted to put the data together to talk about where is it that we can best begin the game and allow you. A, a functional isolation. Where can we do this? Why do we include isolation? It's not easy for players to, you know, these these young men at these at their ages, they have babies, their wives are pregnant, They're, they have infants in the house, and to be isolated from their families is is a very difficult ask, but necessary, considering the public health issue, because we're really trying to do everything we can to keep these mortality rates. At, at the minimum, or, and we know we've had a number of professional athletes uh, really contact this case and uh, this virus, and, and we, we have really had zero mortality rate, which tells you about the age. Very small population included in that, but, but we're, we're seeing that, that when you talk about where the mortality rates rise, it is obviously with underlying medical conditions with people with, with, you know, that are very senior in age, and and their their health cond and conditioning is not anywhere near what it is of a professional athlete. So we have to get their consent. And I went through and you know all the all of our clients and um, certainly they they have told me that 
they 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 this is something they want to go forward with. They're willing to do it. Uh, they see the benefit potentially of setting up a control. When you set up controls in medicine to study what we do to do the most safe ways, it's still a risk. But the players are willing to do it. Um, we've obviously advanced this information to, you know, I talk to owners and, and such and let them know. Um, they have to obviously look at it from their end. Uh, but the the uh, idea for me was to sit, study, create, put a model together. And instead of creating a schedule before we return, I definitely believe we return create a healthy group, examine and collect data as much as we can. Our country got a lot of negative or false data, and our medical professionals and their models were just not accurate at inception. And now we're getting true American data as to this virus. And in the medical community, we're starting to really understand where the concentration of the virus is. There may, in fact, be different strains of it, but we know a lot more than we know about the treatments, convalescent immunity therapy. We have a different drug therapy, pharmacologic therapy that we know a lot more about. And we really know a lot about the mortality of the virus. And I, I think applied to the game um, and the sharing of this gives us a, uh, an intellectual basis to do things now where we can approach it with safety and understanding. And, and really start to focus on the idea of of uh, returning baseball to America. Scott Boris on the score and inside the clubhouse for a few more minutes. And Scott, to the more mundane part of this, and that is monetizing the game for both the players and the owners once it does return. And the new, uh, how should we say, the new, the new uh, economy of baseball and how that might be reflected going forward for free agents uh, a year from now, like Chris Bryant and some of your other clients. How do you how do you see this impacting the economy of baseball going forward initially here this year and uh, how uh, owners might dig in after uh, this has cleared? Well, the good news is that players have already made a major concession anywhere from 25 to 50 percent of their salaries because out of the collective bargaining agreement, owners could not move forward and create alternatives about what we do. Players have agreed to play in empty ballparks if needed. They agreed to play to neutral sites, and they agreed to play a partial season, all of which were concessions under the collective bargaining agreement and thereby, thereby have sacrificed what their annual salaries would be by anywhere from what most likely will be 25 to 50%. So we've already taken care of that from the player side to give them major concessions where they don't have to pay anybody uh, unless they play. Um, what's interesting about what's going on is that you have to think about something that is a real economic positive. Uh, we have a negative, and that is we might have to start with fans without ballparks. I say that with an asterisk now because, remember, that you're going to be able to have people in restaurants that's happening right now you're going to be able to have partially you know open states we're going to have early returns and so we're going to have uh political environments governors and mayors that can say if i can sit in a restaurant then i can sit in a ballpark and we're going to have those considerations that might be 
even available to games in a in, in a very short period of time, uh, depending on how these models and openings work out. But even assuming that, there's something that very interesting happened this week, and that I talked about. What 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 value is it of Major League Baseball to have? isolation and having all these people at home watching their product and what will that mean to rates and Mm -hmm. the first evidence of that i brought that up about two weeks ago and the first evidence of that is the nfl draft had a 37 percent higher rating just for the draft than it's ever had in its history because people at home they want fresh content they want sport and i think that there's probably an advance that can be made with their media partners to talk about the concession that owners would make from the fan aptitude to start the game earlier, and yet the benefit they're going to have from regional and national broadcast rights. The owners have a big benefit in the sense that if they have a postseason, they get $1.7 billion, and that's not something that the players share in at all. That's all theirs. And that right is independent of how many games they offer during the season. It's just if they play in the postseason. And there's also about $2.5 billion in regional rights during a regular season. And that doesn't even include the rights of the, the additional valuations for clubs that own their own uh, uh, regional broadcast network because they make even more money that's not recorded on their books because they pay the club a a a rights fee which goes on the team books for revenue sharing but the reality of it is they make much more than that because they have total ownership of their own regional network and they make and so the ad rates will go up the rights will go up and so there's an economic approach to that i think from the standpoint of free agency and what we're doing it will largely depend a lot on the number of games but you're going to have a a group of teams that are going to be, you know, all the major clubs with their own RSNs and that they make probably 65 to 70% of their money off television. Um, they're the ones that are going to be, that live in major markets. They're going to, they're going to be the clubs that are least affected by this. Um, <clears throat> but when you look at where baseball is going and setting up for 2021, I would imagine there'll be fewer clubs that were, are in the free agent market normally. But on the other hand, um, I think it's going to be, we're going to return to a very robust um, Major League Baseball market, particularly from the media side as we go into uh, into 2021. Hey, hey Scott, it, if there are games this year with no fans and teams are not getting the benefits of tickets, sponsorships, food, beverage, merchandise, would would you and your players still expect to be paid, you know, the prorated amount of, of, of exactly what the, the going rate is? Or would there be room to negotiate um, in terms of the regular season? Well, I don't, I don't think that players and owners, you don't cross the line of ownership. Baseball owners in the last 10 years, the value of their franchises has gone up almost for almost any club two to three times and most clubs three to four times in value. And so when you're talking about players go in and talk about what they get paid per game, that's part of their seniority. Um, and so, cause they have to earn that right. Some make the minimum and through your seniority, you become free agents. 
And so you, we've already taken and considered all these factors uh, when we ran into the negotiation the first time. This was just negotiated literally 40 days ago. So we anticipated <clears throat> clearly playing in empty ballparks. We, the concession that players made, you know, you, you hear about people coming in and saying, I'm giving up 25 to 50 percent of my salary. That is a big, big, <laughs> big step when you're talking about short careers and what these players do. So the suggestion that there is more needed was, frankly, already contemplated by ownership when they set a player compensation and benefit provision in this agreement, which is exactly what it's labeled. And all those dynamics were discussed and negotiated just 30 days ago. So we have finality as to what the parties agreed to and going forward with the with the anticipation of dealing with the virus and and, and empty ballparks and such. Scott, uh, this has been enlightening and a lot to chew on for us and our audience and people in baseball out there. Thank you for taking the time out. We wish you uh, health and safety for you, your players, your family, and uh, the people that you know. And thanks again for uh, giving us some time today on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce and Matt, thank you for you too. And, it, and frankly, it's, it's a pleasure to talk baseball with someone. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Thanks again. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Take Scott care. Scott Boris uh, joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. We have to take a quick break here, come back and close out the show. Remember, our NFL draft uh, show begins with Hub and Mark Grody at the top of the hour. They take you through rounds four through seven, and they're on from 11 till four. So you're not going to want to miss that as well. Yeah, let's let's come back and react to that a little bit, Bruce. He's um obviously a very smart guy who's thought about it a lot, um, but it, it, there was some scary stuff um, in there scientifically, I think. So I would love to talk about that with you a little bit when we come back on Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Inside the Clubhouse. Man, that was some intense stuff from uh, Scott Boris. Um, I, I got to say this, Bruce Levine, that at the highest levels, of science and you know epidemiologists talking about how to restart society mortality i guess is just a line item in a spreadsheet but it still was a little off-putting to hear uh, scott boris talking about mortality rates as just well you know there's this that and then of course people die but you know people less people will die here but you know, he's trying to think of it at the very highest scientific levels. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if he is as as thoroughly informed and and wise as he thinks he is on it. I genuinely don't know that. Well, I, I, I never question his uh, intelligence on matters. I, I, I agree with you that it comes off a little cold. But what he's talking about is starting baseball up in areas. And he's giving you percentages and science of areas where baseball can be played in a safe zone. And he also puts out, uh, more importantly, not a startup until you have players in a workout situation, in a spring training situation, and then taking it the next step from there, not having a season schedule until you see how people perform and uh, hold up as far as their physicality and whether or not the virus is going to attack them. He pretty much said the virus will be there. People will test positive. We need to isolate them and then keep our people going at that point. And then we can come up with a schedule. So there's uh, 25 minutes of great content that people can go back and listen to, certainly on our score 
on our website uh, the rest of the day and into next week of Scott's ideas about uh, where this is at and how uh, baseball mm -hmm. can return. Yeah, I, and, and I understand getting ready for it before you even know that it's going to begin. That's where he's talking about it, is like getting ready for spring training and having that kind of thing ready to go. But the concept of, of people being in those big stadiums, not even the fans, but just all the people together, the ball players together, we have to get to where Taiwan uh, got before they could restart their little five-team league that they have started and is ongoing right now. And yeah, I, I think and he we didn't still have, have a sadly, a long way to go. Yeah, well, he didn't, he didn't throw a date out. I mean, he didn't say no. that we should start next week. What he's saying, right. he, he's just giving us some, uh, some approach. And, it, and it's important to listen to Scott because he is talking to the union on a daily basis. He has the strength and more strength than any agent uh, with the union than anyone else. So to ignore what he has to say about the possibilities of where the players want to go with this and what they will accept, uh, that, that, would, that would be, for, for me, for, if I ignored it, that would be ignorant on my part. Uh, he's not going to be a one-man show here and decide this, but he certainly gives us an idea of what the players' perspective and the union's perspective might be going forward for players. Tomorrow on Hit and Run, it's going to be a little bit of bump and run or hook and ladder, perhaps. Patrick Manley going to join me, um, as well as Mark Grody going to join me to talk Bears and NFL Draft. In addition to that, Carlos Pena from MLB Network and Marquee and the great Jason Bonetti as well. So an action-packed hit and run tomorrow. And people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also write on the SCORE website, 670thescore.com. Cubs and White Sox and all the information about Major League Baseball. Matt, have a great show tomorrow. The NFL show is next with Hub and with Mark from 11 to 4. They take you through rounds 4 through 7 with the Bears. Have a great week. Have a great week, everybody. Hub Arkish and Mark Grody next, right here on 670 The Score. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.